Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers right here on the old podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Dan, we've had a fantastic week. Uh, obviously, some changes in the uh, USA brothers and sisters over there. They had some exciting news happen. Yeah, I reckon big news. I guess what's funny, all these are heavy metal guys and artists and rock stars coming before the election in America and had all their two bits to say and you know say what they want to say and they've all gone quiet afterwards I'm like well can't you must have something else to say now this is big news we were promised that a lot of C-listed celebrities were going to leave the states and go to Canada or you know somewhere else Uzbekistan or whatever and no one has followed through with it even Bill Burr's seen it and uh, unfortunately well, we're going to have plenty of comedy gold to write over the last next couple of months, but uh, there you go, Danny. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Why, why not? You know, it's your chance now to commit to another place in the world. You know, there's, I'm sure there's nice beaches in Jamaica you could go to. But we are the Super Metal Brothers, Dan, and for our Super Metal listeners, they're here for us to talk about metal. So we're going to talk about uh, you know some of the things tonight, like uh, the best subgenre metal. We're going to review the latest In Flames album as well, Battles, mm. which uh, you know has been a lot of mixed reviews. So we can't wait to talk about that. Mm. But first, we need to talk news. And for the news right off the top, we're going to follow from last week. Now, a lot of people who listened last week heard that we did a an Avenged Sevenfold album called The Battles. Now, um, sorry, The Stage, sorry. And uh, we, we liked the album. We really enjoyed it. And we, we definitely want to give kudos to the guys. But uh, they did notice something about it, Danny, didn't they? Yeah, they noticed, I think maybe too many of their fans were so caught up in the election that they forgot to go out and buy their album because their album sales were down about 50%. On the first week sales compared to their previous album. Yeah, the album on the first week sold 75,000 copies, which isn't a mean feat. You know, I'd be quite happy to sell 75,000 of anything, you know, even my kidneys if I had that many. But the previous album before that sold no, $159,000 worth. Sorry, $159,000 of copies worth, sorry. And that gives you a context for what we're talking about here because they had little to no... Uh, steam going into it. There was no real advertisement. There was no real build-up. And uh, mixed feelings, Danny, is, is one thing that they were talking about. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, in the end, they, they try to go for a risk and they try to do a different type of launch of their album and it just shows that now you, maybe you do need a bit of that, uh, you know, a bit of the... Um uh, get a bit revved up, get a bit excited about the album, you know, get a bit of momentum before it's released because, you know, times are tough these days. People don't have a spare 20, 30 bucks to buy a new album. So, you know, they got to go out, you know, find some cans and bottles out of the bin to get a bit more money that way. And that's, you know, you, give, you tell people a week in advance, they've got no time to do that stuff. Yeah, there's a reason why video game now designers really have the, uh, the, um, the pre-orders, you know, and uh, music's doing that too, you know, make sure you put a pre-order down. So people get excited for it and then they could have gone to the head and sold the, the deluxe ultra awesome pack. They charged 10 extra dollars for two tracks that they didn't want on the album, plus some behind the scenes of them taking a dump or, you know, calling loved ones. But people love that stuff, you know, and they really missed the, ba- the uh, bag on that one. But that was their call and I think they are regretting it, especially Miles, uh, Miles Kennedy's. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a lesson for everybody. So, look, at least they did it. So, now people can have a reference saying, yeah, they tried it, it didn't work. So, we won't be doing that in the future. Yeah. So, we're going to move on to uh, Miles Kennedy now. And he talked about religion is the opiate of the masses. Now, his father was a hardcore Christian believer and he actually died because he didn't want certain treatment on him because he was very religious. Now, do you ever get the feeling that someone should have told his dad that maybe God invented science, medical science, and that medical science could have helped him? Or do you think that was a conversation that he didn't want to have with his dad? Yeah, well, to be fair, he was only four at that stage. So <laughs> if he knew that much when he was four, he could do the operation himself. But yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where people are so 
believed in strong in their beliefs that they were just um to go to that level. That's amazing. Like you literally died because you believed that you would have been healed by your you know, your creator, I guess, in the same time like you've suggested. Well maybe your creator is the one who gave you a way to get out of it using medicine. So it's it's yeah, it's a weird thing. Man. Yeah, the philosophy brothers here, it's like if God was working through people, whether they believe in God or not, to do the right thing and all of a sudden here's the thing, I'm not saying either way on this, but um, yeah, it was kind of weird that they would do it, but unfortunately for him, maybe he got better songs out of it because his poor dad passed away, but uh, we feel bad for the guy. So, but I do understand what he what he means by that because obviously it's like a drug sometimes for people for religion, but it's not always that bad. It can also be about, you know, the Salvation Army or really good Christmas cards, Danny. Yeah, why not? So, yeah, it's a fortunate, it's a weird story. I mean, unfortunately, you don't want to laugh at something like this, but it, it is quite of a strange, <laughs> strange story. It didn't happen to us in that sense. So, yeah. it was kind of, I, I, we fell both for the guy, but uh, a funny story nonetheless. So, let's move it on to best footballers taste in music. Now, there's been a debate going on the circles about who has the best metal taste, right? And the guys down on the internet have, or I think there's the guys from Metal Sucks, or whatever, have, think that's a uh, Thomas Rooski from Arsenal, right? He's got the best taste in music, right, Danny? Mm, yeah, yeah. They, they've they've done a bit of a study, a quick study. And they found out people like Christian Ronaldo like, I don't know, things like Elsa John, Steve Wonder, something like that, and Rooney likes certain bands. A lot of people like their old, like, I don't know, mainstream type stuff. But yeah, they think Thomas Rooski has actually got a, a bit of a decent metal taste. Yeah, we're talking Metallica, In Flames, Siosis, Pantera, you know, all that kind of cool stuff. However... Do you still think that this is like magazine articles grabbing at straws? Because it's still like the same as like, oh, so what band are you into? Or oh, Metallica. And instantly your metal radar is like, ah, oh, right. Okay, sure you're into metal. How about like something that, that hasn't sold 25 million copies in its first week of sales, right? How about something that you need to go out and sort after, Danny? Do you kind of get that feeling when it comes to this thing? Or do you think, uh, no, no, if they like metal enough, that's enough to gravitate towards them and be your favorite team and, you know. Follow them for the rest of the year. Yeah, no, I'll go for the second one. Like anyone who likes, like to be fair, he surely like Metallica. But he also likes, and again, Solosis and Inflames. They're not the biggest mainstream band, so I mean, Inflames slightly, but Solosis actually got a fine. So I uh, give credit. More metal out there, the better it is. So, uh, but it shows you how how they're uh, grasping at straws. If that's the only guy they could really find with a decent like metal backing to him, it's like, geez, I would hate to be in those change rooms or on those like trips over, away from home. Just listen to that crap on a oh, radio. Yeah, what about Cliff Bolton though? He, he went on stage saying that he was a massive fan of Slipknot. Yeah, the ex Sydney FC um, goalkeeper. So, so we, we've got our own people here that like. We know rumoured that's uh, our friend Simon uh, Hill, wasn't it, Danny? Yeah, Simon Hill, the uh, football commentator from SBS and uh, married to Stephanie Branch. That's how we all remember him. But let's look at it this way, guys. If you really want to know a super metal head that played or used to play football, there is no one else than super metal brother Dan. Your CD collection has anything from Symphony X to a bit of Nevermore. See, unfortunately, in Iron Maiden, but yeah, you can't all be winners, right? So yeah. I guess if they want to know anyone who's got the best taste in music, they'd have to go fire it. Yeah, to go too far to talk to someone in the uh, football community. Yeah, and that that's fine. Just you know, maybe not be overly impressed by my level of footballing skills. <laughs> <laughs> amateur grade is amateur grade. <laughs> underpaid, Danny. Overworked and underpaid. The story oh, of your on. life. Hence why we are here. Now, this is hilarious because the next story made news from Australia, and actually we heard about this from Metal Sucks as well. So we've had guys from uh, the states and all that, and and Europe. 
because of uh, the noise that's made down here. Now, in Queensland, there's a guy called Bronson Ellery. Don't know him. He's a solitary son. He's part of a motorcycle gang, which has basically got the catchphrase, where the people your mum warned you about. So it's very catchy and uh, if not a little bit alarming. Now, if he was found dead with the, uh, it's apparently alleged murdered suicide with his girlfriend as well at the time. Now, I think his name was Bonnie Maxwell. Uh, the police at the time said, we had no idea. They're just like, we have no idea what's going on. But the mother's pretty sure like, yeah, he's a douchebag. And he was, she was probably banging some other dude maybe. Who knows, right? It doesn't really matter. But he was in a band, Danny. That's the whole point of this article. He was actually in a metal band. Yeah, they actually made reference to that. And he did a whole classic thing. Like he released albums which were terrible. And he went to prison like most do so and then gets inspired for more terrible music. And that's what he was, I think, currently doing. He did a whole like Varg thing. Metalcore? I mean, like, obviously, oh, like, we're going to be super dead brothers after this because, you know, people suddenly, when they talk bad about bikes, have this like suicide note attached to them <laughs> with 20,000 bullets in the back of their head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> what, an, what an ironic twist. But um, yeah, can we. It's pretty much like the metalcore. And you know what? He actually admits to playing every single instrument on the album, and you can really tell. You actually listen to that? Oh, shit. Yeah. I've actually heard it. No, well, yeah, and, um, yeah, like, he goes to the effort of... Like, and I also think, because well, I heard Bikey, bit in Prizzle, you kind of get this idea in your head, it's going to sound like nails, but literally someone drove nails into their arm by playing nails covers. But it's not. It's actually quite sensitive, and it's got that very new Kill Switch Engage vibe to it, which is like, wow, um, must work on the ladies because his girlfriend was pretty hot until, you know, he decided that she didn't need to live anymore. Kick, kick that oxygen habit, yeah, huh? Yeah, kick that know. oxygen habit. Yeah, selfish with oxygen. <laughs> you hot ladies just taking up all our precious air. Taking up all air, just being all hot like. Ah, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but yeah. we, you know, we hope you get swift justice and uh, Bonnie, I think the, uh, the mother as well, you know, has accused him for doing the dodgy. So we want to see that happen too, Danny. Mm, yes. Yes, corn, Dan. Want to talk about some corn now? Oh, uh, yeah, one other. I, like I want to talk about corn because yeah. you know what's funny about corn is the basically the Jonathan Davis claims at one point that the, the new stuff they were writing before the album was released sounded like Meshuggah. Now, they went out to play the right songs, but using eight string guitars. Now, we know they're notorious for using seven string guitars, right? They're the innovators, but even Steve Vai said, I stole the seven string idea from corn. Wow, there you go. Did not know that. Yeah. So he was doing all that, you know, that awesome shred stuff that makes you feel like you're a little tiny player. You know, even your 30 years of practicing seems minuscule to these guys. So you can transcribe talking onto manuscript, right? Yeah. But to be fair, like Steve I's fingers are so long, he can play the top of bottom fret at the same time with the same hands. So. Yeah. He, he's actually sewing on other people's guitars, man. He's actually doing yeah. melodies. Like he's a freak. But um, would you be interested in hearing eight string corn? Uh, well, apparently, if you want to hear A Street Corner, just buy the latest Meshuggah album. So that's pretty much what you needed to do because that's even what Jonathan Davis said. Because this doesn't sound like corn. This sounds like Meshuggah to us. And you know what's funny? Because I was commenting on the Sugar album saying that certain riffs sounded like corn. You know, they were just very much about tonalities and having like a weird. Because what corn would do instead of Meshuggah, they'd have like a weird kind of like three note melody kind of going over the top. But Meshuggah will have like a different three chord. Like it's kind of like you know, just imagine like a, a hip hop beat. Like do do da do 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 da. Corn will go like this do do do. You know what I mean? Like it'll just be on cycle. But Meshuggah more like and like it, it's just yeah. So yeah, I totally hear that. You totally. know, uh, only yeah. to the untrained, to the trained ear, you'll get it. So you know, to to our fans out there, but uh, it does. It's um, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, but it's actually. Uh, makes another interesting point because if you heard a couple of our episodes back, Corn um, came out and said, actually, Sebastian came out and said, yeah, we kind of were 
ripped off a bit of coin material because of the same like producer. So imagine we could have like Sepultura, Corn Sugar Supergroup. Technically, it's the same band, but they could actually yeah, do the one producer's like, I know how this thing works, guys. Here's your number one hit. And all of a sudden, he's like the uh, he's doing like the Beyonce thing where Beyonce's got like five writers. It's yeah. like, well, you know what I mean? He's just got a different five different bands. It's like, yeah, they all sound the same, but whatever. I mean, we love it. He's like three bands, three the same job three times. He'd be loving life. Yeah. We're going to move it on to someone that, uh, like James Setfield, that what you guys will know and love from Metallica. Now, he has come out and said that the version two of Metallica, you would think that from post uh, Injustice for All. So we're talking black and, and so on. Yeah, he believes that the uh, past way Cliff Burton, the bass player, wouldn't have loved the idea of going into that load reload passage. Now, Danny, same could be said about a lot of fans too. How are your feelings on that? Oh, I was never a massive Metallica fan, but I understand, like, growing with you, you've been, you were a bit of a Metallica fan at this stage and you had your grievances regarding load and reload. And James Heffield came out and labeled it. That was the U2 period of Metallica, which to me means that they weren't paying their taxes like U2. So, <laughs> being uh, pretentious little buttheads and smelling their own farts. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Wearing sunglasses at nighttime. So, uh, yeah, so if you weren't paying taxes, Metallica, boo, man, you know, boo. But apart from that, yeah, the music, I guess, suffered and people say they haven't really recovered since, you know. Well, they've recovered in the sense that they're making bulk cash every week oh, of every day. We've known that the Black Album is still selling ridiculously well to yeah. the point where the drummers come out and said, like, who's buying this album? Yeah. Like, they're literally taking the piss out of the fans and the fans just like, more urine, you missed the spot. It's just the weirdest like thing to see. Sad and relationships. Like, you will take our punishment. Yes, please, yes. Speaking about penises, guess who can suck their own cock, Danny? Hey, careful now. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> Al Jorgensen, you'd know him as the leader of ministry, basically the founder slash songwriter slash literally self-masturbator. He actually yeah. has admitted that um, not only does he like sucking his own penis when he's obviously his mistress can't be bothered or, you know, finds a pretty good excuse, I'd imagine, not to. Um, he also advises that the best drug is heroin and the worst is speed. So that's a less for you kids out there. You know, Christmas is coming up. Don't know what to buy your loved ones. Yeah. Well, apparently stick to heroin. R- remove your three ribs and stick away from that speed. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want speed, boo. Yeah. So um, apparently um, that, there's that. You need to know about these things when you come to your state of fans because debauchery in the music scene right now is actually kind of taking a, a turn. We're going to cover this next week in more depth about what's more metal, metal or pop. Mm. And a lot of people now don't believe that metal has that stay homestay with the whole like, you know, Debauch with drugs, women, more drugs, money, and then losing your money on more women, I guess. Yeah, giving, having the ability to give yourself fellatio. Yeah. I think as well, Marilyn Manson apparently could, or Marilyn Manson apparently could do that as well. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a thing about metal cards you can do that. I don't really want to care. I don't really want to find out, know more about it. Yeah, That's for something sure. out there. Do you believe, Danny, that the hologram that Dio was used was raising the dead? Well... No, because it's a hologram and it's not a physical <laughs> zombie. Is that what you mean? No, Dio zombie, man. Well, you know, the bands come out and said, you know, when they did that whole thing with Dio and then, like, the family and friends, and said, this isn't about resurrecting the, the body. This is obviously, like, paying homage. And um, it looked weird to see it on stage. Uh, but uh, safely to say that it's not resurrecting the dead, it is paying respect, maybe, or giving the fans the Dio experience without actually having Dio there. It's it's a hard one. I think we talked about this in the past, but because they're they're gonna plan on doing it again on the no, on the uh, next road tour with the um I think it's the disciples, whoever it is. Yeah, they're gonna go out doing this tour, with, and they're gonna do they're gonna use the hologram for six songs now rather than than just one song. So, look, it's one of those divisive things where some people love it because they get 
the experience again of seeing Dio live, but then some hate it because no, no, he, he's not there. We're just we're not. He's not there. This is a bit of a bit of a copy of what we should be experiencing. I I I think what you should do is get Russell Allen right. Tell him he he has to do the whole gig on his knees and shave the front half of his head. And just tell him he must have his horns struck like gold every time he sentences, he finishes the censor of a song, right? And there's your problem fixed. You're getting the whole experience because you can do it. We've heard him do it, you know? So I think there's no real issue. It's like, why why try to raise the dead anyway or try to make this argument when there's plenty of guys or guy that can uh, give you the D experience for, yeah, for more of a physical kind of thing. Like, you can touch Russell Allen. If you tried to touch D, you'd get arrested, I imagine. Yeah, Pretty sure you would actually. <laughs> you get nails. Uh, you get nails dirty as well. Yeah, that's true. I think I think I think grave robbing is a thing anymore these days. They kind of cut that back out eighteen hundreds. Have you heard the latest uh, nails album, Danny? Uh, no, the, the the streaming. Sorry, we've heard the latest nails album, but obviously they kind of gotten back together and they were kind of like, yeah, we're always together. Like, why don't you piss off? Because they're obviously angry about everything. Yeah, angry about everything, man. The um, sun pisses them off. Yeah, butterflies. Oh, don't don't get them started on butterflies. Man. Their own songwriting pisses them off. Songwriting that actually makes them write more songs. Yeah, but they're not that long though. <laughs> they must have short attention spans because they get so angry that they're writing songs that they have to go ahead and like beat themselves up. <laughs> I'm so angry. The songs off more than a minute. And the cycle continues. <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh, have you heard it yet? Nah, man, nah. Uh, it's just, yeah, pretty much what you heard before. Like, if, honestly, if, if you guys have heard the latest Nails albums, and um, I think you should, yeah, this is more of the same. It's just unrelenting grindcore at its most grindiest. Like, just chuck your, your family dog into the meat cleaver and uh, just watch it spray onto a canvas. So that's what you're getting with uh, with Nails. Jeez, man. Is that what happened to Rusty? <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. Oh, okay. he, he made the Nails album, right? What more, more, more do you want? Jeez. Um, how, yeah, go on. How is the Disturbed song Sound of Silence a thing, Danny? Now, we've seen yeah. a debate about this. Like, why would a person or a band basically do a cover which is very close to an original as far as an interpretation of sense obviously you know uh they made a lot of money disturbed they've done a tour across australia now and they've made it onto our public tv which is for a metal band is uncomprehensible like how would this even happen but how is it a thing well i think your answer when they found they could make millions of dollars per a cover i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there nail get it hey but look, I, I really, I don't really don't know. I mean, I think they probably just did it because they like they always do covers. I mean, every album has at least a cover on there, so they thought, why don't we just cover this this one here? It's weird because Disturbed went from covering themselves to covering bigger bands, right? Let's be honest. Like the last three albums, or especially the latest album that they did, that Asylum album was like you'll hear you'll hear riffs before played and other albums coming up in the next album. And you're like, they're gonna play it, they're gonna play it. If he does it, then and then they play it, and you're like, damn you, Disturbed, why? So. Uh, the one of the biggest thing I have a big problem with this is that so many metal bands have crafted their songwriting abilities into such a fine precision that they could be nailing like oh, like soldiers in in Iraq from their home in in, in Battlefield One on the uh, in the United States. You know these guys have spent so much time and dedication to write so much great songs and such great bands, and then they just won't get that recognition of someone of a band who have just taken a song and just you know added piano to it and. Uh, that's really bad. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a string section and one of those like the slow drum in the background. I think, mate, you're just really upset that your favorite band, Nevermore, did a, their own artistic interpretation. Far superior. Thank you. Continue. Version of Sound of Science to the point that I actually thought it was like an original song and only copied one part or two parts. But it was actually a French remastered with their own twist in it and no one pays any recognition to them. The author of the literally 
what we're talking about, um, how the hell is disturbed sound of science even a thing? You know, went on and just lambasted it and just, just destroyed it. And but basically the same feel that me and Danny are giving you. But he got crucified for it. You know, mm. like you were saying, Danny, to me before. A person, you know, said, oh, you know, it's a bit bitter with this one or whatever. They got 400 likes. People like this song. Yeah, it is. I mean, in Australia, it's done so well. I think it came to like number one on our ARIA charts. And yeah, it's put them on our public TV. So you got to give credit to Sturba. Like, I know it's, it's a bit of a cop out being like, you know, you want a metal band to be famous for being playing metal. But. At the same time, if, if it gets them on the map, well, then I guess sort of power to them. Mm. What about Killswitch Engage, Dan? They've got their new beer, Alive or Just Brewing, maybe, I think it's called. I don't think that's what they call it. That was just a cool little catchphrase. Mm. But um, it's good that the Killswitch Engage have given you something to drink while you listen to their new album. In fact, I think if they gave you that al- the album with that free beer, it would have made the album a hell of a bit more li- easier to listen to. Yeah, that last album, we re- well, reviewed it. Long time ago yeah, now. Yeah, I think it was one of my first reviews, and that was a pre-average album. So yeah. So, you're right. Maybe that beer will help the bitterness of that album go down smoothly, or maybe help you forget how average the album actually is. So Yeah. If they gave it away free with it, I mean, you would love them again, right? It's like, oh, God, you guys are awesome. But, um, yeah, I think just poor timing. I think if they put it together more, they could have sold more beers, all right? Yeah, it could be. Maybe that's how they do it. Like, free, every, like, slab you buy, you get a free CD with it. That would have been a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. You want to talk one more story, Danny? Ah, uh, why not? We got time. Mike Portnoy. Do you know him, Danny? I do know Mike Portnoy. Dream Theater drummer. Dream Theater drummer. Did you like him in Dream Theater, Danny? Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Well, what did you think that his best things were in Dream Theater? What kind of things did you remember? His drumming style, like what songs, what albums, maybe that uh, you remember the most? Oh, I think Awake. I remember that one. Uh, Train of Thought. They're probably the only two albums I really paid a lot of attention to. Fair enough. Well, you know, he doesn't necessarily miss the band per se, right? Because he went on to do a lot of cool things. You know, he even did Avenger Sevenfold with one of their yeah. most most respected and well well liked albums, you know, from the band. So that's good news. He obviously did other things as well and played with I think Russell Allen as well, I think, yeah, right? Drenna Mob and was it the Winery Dogs he's currently in now. Yeah, so, yeah. so good on him, but he does miss the control he had. Now here's the thing, he went to admit that he had around ninety percent control of Dream Theater. Jeez, now you, now you can't figure out why he left, uh, air quoting, left the band, you know? Do you think, though, with him leaving, that Dream Theater been better for it? Uh, I don't know. I've really switched off the last couple of albums of Dream Theater, so who really knows? I think I think that was starting, to be fair, that was starting to slide down before he left. I think maybe he... Yeah, that Black Cloud and Silver Linings, well, that was kind of like, for me, he's like something needs to go. Now, unfortunately, for, for some people, they must admit that Mike Portnoy was that guy to go, but it needed a change. It needed a shake-up. Like when they went to literally doing songs where they, all they did was quote themselves, you knew the ideas the ideas bucket was you know, running pretty low and uh, they needed some water in their fast pretty much. So if you're thinking Dream Theater quote themselves like Disturbed, all Dream Theater need then is a classic rev- um, cover song and yeah. it back mainstream. Did you remember what they tried to do there for their oh, cover song? It was terrible. Oh my God. They tried to stargaze from Rainbow. You need it. Oh, here's the thing. The most iconic prolific and inspired song of all of all generations written into a song was Stargazer right now you could you can make any kind of you know thing about it you want but you need to listen to it if you ever listen to the song you need to literally sit in a room chuck your headphones on and just forget about how anything you've had listened to before how good is the song Danny? Stargazer is literally like a metal anthem like you have yep. those like jazz classics and jazz standards but this is like a metal anthem this is the song that everybody needs to have listened to at least once in their life because it is 
such a well-constructed song. Yeah. And then Dream Theater thought, you know, we're going to jump on the, uh, maybe the covers thing, maybe pay some fans, some uh, fan service and do it. But, uh, wow, this is the opposite of what Disturbed did with it. It's just Disturbed tried to play it safe. I think Dream Theater tried to do Dream Theater over a rainbow and it's just, oh my God. It's like having an abortion in real time in front of it, the Holy Family Catholic School. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, so I think, bad. I think James Debris really needs to like, question himself about why he, <laughs> why he decided to do that as a song. Because that was, if you're honest with yourself, you're comparing Dio's power to, to what is on that album with James singing. And it's just, it's just really uninspiring. Yeah. You, you'll be if you just don't listen to that version. Just listen to Dio's Rainbow version, and that's enough. So yeah. So back to my point. No, you know, he obviously had massive control over Dream Theater. Now fans can understand now with him gone where the direction's heading. Now probably a lot more people now, more more captains of the ship, more chefs in the kitchen. We know the best thing about that: do chefs get together and make a humble pie, or do they spoil the broth? Well, this is it. I mean, questions. We don't really know, I guess, but it's hard. You know, you know, you know, behind the scenes, you don't know how they act. But currently, their music's suffering. So, yeah, maybe they they do need a new, different leader. Well, you know, we have to ch- we have to check out the latest album. That's where it stopped for us. You know, it came out the start of the year. If you guys want us to review the album, please hit us a like on the Facebook and uh, let us know what your thoughts and feelings are about it. But let's move on to our feature presentation, Danny. Yeah, it is an interesting one. This is the um, best subgenre of metal. Now, I guess if anyone watched uh, Metal Headbangers' Journey or just pay attention to it, there is a lot of genres of metal and a lot of subgenres of metal and a lot of like cross-linking of metal genres. And kind of, I think I think during this last sentence, I think two other subgenres of metal just got formed because it is that ridiculous. You know, you just you just half words and add them together like neo melodic, groove, technical, death, jazz, fusion. Power metal is there's probably a band which has that as their title. That's just, right. Ugh. Yeah, I mean it's, it's an interesting marketing tool for people like me who want to get into a band and they're looking for a certain sound or a certain idea. And um, but you're right now it's gone to a point of it's just so stretched and it's almost meaningless, you know. But we're here to talk about it with our fans because we were wanted to know first enough what our fans thought about the uh, their favorites, you know, genres were. So let's go and talk about it right now. Yeah. Craig Morrison, thrash. I don't think I had enough A's in there, but. Uh, Thrash metal, you know, iconic, classic. In fact, classic. probably one style of metal that won't ever have a chance of dying. Nah, it just keeps going, man. Keeps going. I mean, all your parents love it, so you know, if they don't die out, you'd be fine. Daniel Cedarblad from Octanic said, "There's two answers. He had. He has a serious answer, which is mellow death." And not so serious answer, shoegaze progressive post sludge core. Both of them are serious answers. He just didn't realize that he invented a new genre. See, it's now, that easy, kids. Now, what's funny, because we got this idea from an article. Was it from Team Rock, was it, Danny? I think oh, it was, no, I think it was Metal Sucks. Metal Sucks as well. And uh, they actually had it, and they had Mellow Death as like an F-. minus. Now, the problem with Metal Sucks right now is that we don't know if that whole entire article, because they literally, apart from one genre, hated every other genre. But with Metal Sucks now, you don't know... This is like Poe's Law in actual full-on force. Are they just taking the piss and being really, really sarcastic? Or are they just serious because they are known for being cynical and they don't really care for, uh, you know, constructive journalism, you know, the whole integrity about journalism. They've told us that they don't want to do that anymore. They're happy just to shoot from the hip wherever they're feeling on the day. Yeah, I mean, the only... Genre, they they classify all the genres. They're like black metal and power metal and thrash metal and old school metal. They all F's, F minus and D's. The only out, the only genre of metal that the author liked was old school death metal. But then he goes to say, oh, it's only if you pick the right bands to listen to. So what he's just saying is that I, I have four favorite bands I love, 
and the rest of metal I don't like. That is pretty much what he was saying. He gave those four bands he liked an A plus, and the rest he doesn't best. So he doesn't even like this genre. He just likes four bands. So yeah, one yeah. of the worst articles you could probably read. But to be fair, this was it was done in 2014, but they republished it lately, I guess, because they're running out of ideas. Click clickbaity material. It yeah. worked on us. My Matthew Owen said hair metal. Now I don't know what your deal is, Matthew Owen, but you know full well that the Super Metal Brothers haven't listened to hair metal ever since they lost their hair. I know, just as bad connotations to it, man. Like I just, I just feel I start crying. Even though he's like all happy and cheerful music, I just start crying when I listen to it. He had the audacity to say that he actually caught us wearing blonde wigs. Now I've never done that in public, so Matthew, oh, you need to explain to the Super Metal Brothers and their fan uh, what the hell's going on. As long as you didn't catch us pretending we we're Al Jorgensen, that that'd have been really awkward. That would have been terribly awkward. Jacob, fluffy slippers, old school metal. Uh, what's old school metal, Danny? Oh, well, this is again, old school metal can be anything from Matt's favorite Iron Maiden Ugh. to Matt's other favorite Black Sabbath and Deep Purple, Rainbow, Dio. Who knows? It depends what what's it old school these days, you know? Yeah, it's kind of funny because some people would even debate that old school stuff isn't even metal. And I understand to a degree, you know, you can even go as far as Cream, which was like one of the founding fathers of the metal sound to a degree, but they're not metal, you know? But that's the thing. People get their influences from where they get them from. Obviously, now we can probably say that you know Black Sabbath was probably one of the leading uh, innovators of that sound, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll keep moving on to uh, Michael App Gibbs, who said metalcore. Oh, wow, that's a big lot of tree branch there, isn't it, Danny? Metalcore right now could be anything, really. Uh, yeah, everybody has been style. I mean, metalcore and thrash, I guess, probably the big two ones which keep going in at the moment I guess they're probably the biggest two. Metalcore is awesome because in the sense that it really connects with the younger audience straight away because you can do metalcore in a way that can be quite simplistic and then you can quite enjoy like uh, like the our fallen brother that's um, you know the uh, bikey guy that killed his uh, missus or uh, pro- potentially did probably did we don't know you have to ask the, the, the things or it can be something quite intricate and quite technical, it can be quite fast. You know, we've seen the bands do that. Siosis, for example, could be considered metalcore to some degree. Cool. Yeah, why not? I mean, that, why not? Do you like what you like? Aiden Chivik, black metal. Uh, that's a tried and true statement for that. You know, uh, it can go from anything from literally being recorded through a sock in a sock drawer on the moon to uh, the overly clean produced stuff like Jimmy Borgie, where it's sheen to a fine crystal to the point of, you know, Whatever, it's all it's a whole big range of that too. Yeah, it's true. It also probably depends how much money these bands have. Zach Hammett, power metal. Oh, I don't think Zach Hammett has a lot of friends there. Oh, Zach <laughs> Hammett's a good bloke. We appreciate your comment, Zach Hammett. We do appreciate your comment, man. Um the most polarized of all metal. And it has a reason why, because in the eastern, like around no, sorry, around like the European countries, power metal is done to a point where it's mostly about mythological kind of things. I found it's very much like dragons, barbarians, you know, fantasy, Lord of the Rings kind of stuff. Would you agree, Danny? That that's how you get the kind of feel with it. Yeah, guys without shirts, you know. Yeah, true. Man of War, I guess, classic. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's all about the mythology thing. I guess it probably ties into like their history a bit. You know, the whole Norse mythology, etc. That whole part is probably rings true to them so they probably get a bit of comfort like hey my my dad this probably this one's probably about my dad and my uncle so yeah, yeah yeah and it's quite accessible but i found like now when guys in the states and that do power metal even some of the guys here it's not necessarily about those themes and it's starting to mature a little bit and that's a good thing so maybe power metal is kind of coming around to maybe just being more contemporized yeah as long as they don't do those really weak falsettos matt's happy oh my god that Oh, honestly, if I never heard that sound again in my life, I'd be more happy than anyone could potentially be. Yeah. 
Ridiculous. Animatic. Now, here's the thing. We've had a lot of people comment on, like, newer things. We really wanted to... What I wanted to do is get a feel of, like, what's, like, the number one style, which we haven't really found, but Animatic's here to say death and black metal. Two polarizing sounds. Now, how do you different black and death metal, Danny? Uh, one you have to wake you up from... One's, like, your coffee. Like, black is coffee. wakes you up from death, which is the other one. So, that's how I come yeah. remember the two. But, yeah, I think the singing styles yeah. is a way of doing it. Like death metal is more about the screaming. It's like a growl. Like death metal is like the growl cookie monster, right? Growl cookie monster, But yeah. then if you like the banshees from basically like your buzzsaw in the, in the shed, you know? Yeah, the axle grinding you had the other day. Yeah. Honestly, I was like, have you got Shag right there just chilling out, like, you know, doing some vocals with you? Because it was like, that's what you get. Like a shriek. That is what black metal is known for, right? Yeah. But they've got, they both got blast beats. They both got that. But generally, mm. I find that black metal has a lot more conscious effort to put in melody. Yeah, it's a more operatic feel to it. Yeah. They, they get more, well, they can use the keyboard or organ sounds a bit. Maybe. Yeah. Where death metal is this kind of like, this is what the sound is of being like pulverized by your favorite uh, black and decker power saw drill. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. You know. Mitch Ramsey, swing metal. Never heard of it. Yeah. I don't know if he's taking a piss, but I have no idea what the hell swing metal is. I think it's like, if let's say Miles Davis was just basically yeah had so much and he was just so angry with it and just put and went a blast beat on like uh, Love Supreme or something like he went to another player's record and that might not mean anything to our fans and it doesn't have to be but uh, yeah that's what swing metal is yeah I would not know what swing metal could be maybe it's like like baby metal because like a swing's like a child's play swing and of course metal like baby metal is like a child's metal so we've got all these awesome ideas Danny we need to now wrap a bow around this what is the best subgenre in metal? Oh, well, my favorite bands are kind of like, you know, the Deep Purple to Dio to Symphony X. So, I don't know, man. It's, I don't want to say progressive metal because progressive is also like things like Russian stuff and I'm not massive into those things. So, I don't want to say power metal because, again, they're, they're not just power metal. They're more like, oh, geez, maybe symphonic power progressive metal, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, okay. something like that. I've got it, right? So here's the thing. I want you guys, I've spent a lot of time into this and I oh, want wow. you to hear this from me. All right. It's taken me like years of research. I've sat at home. I've written down the ideas. I've talked to a lot of people, not only on just Facebook, but a lot of people in life, all the people from overseas and to state, you name it, right? I've gathered up the best bands in my collection, which is over at least 300 CDs, but even other people's collections I had to go into it. I've listened to them and I finally figured out what it is. And the answer to the question, what the best subgenre is, in Flames album, Danny, we are talking about Battles, the last album that has been released from the melodic death metal bands from Sweden. Now, we need to go into a little bit of history because this is a big band, right? So let's talk about a little bit of history, Danny, okay? Yes. In Flames is a Swedish from Gothenburg, funny enough, where every awesome band comes from. Uh, melodic death metal band, which is formed by the guitarist Jesper Stromblad in the 1990s. Along with the bands at the gates, Action Quality, In Flames are basically one of those guys from known as the innovators of the style. In fact, if they didn't innovate it, the show is he'll like became the godfathers to a degree of it, right? To, to a degree. Now, the best way of explaining In Flames is that you could put this into three categories, right? You've got the 1993 to 1998 section, right? Then you've got when they started to go more alternative in sound. And for a lot of people, this is the most important. 
uh, best part about In Flames when they started to add the B flat minor sound to it, more depressing, more about those stronger melodies and uh, opera- not operatic, but definitely catchier moments. Um, but then after that, we'd see Jesper Stromberg, the original guy from songwriter from In Flames, leave. And this is now we're in the third installment, which I would consider anywhere from 2010 to the album that we're reviewing today. Now, the last three albums are important to note because they really don't sound like In Flames that people were expecting, Danny. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess it's like Deep Purple, Mark III, Richie Blackmore left. Like, you, you lose your main songwriter. You just, you're just changing the whole sound and you really can't replicate what the old person did because that's their style and you always will half pull it off so yeah I mean pretty much as soon as the, the original song right left that Jasper guy Josper it's it's come downhill since then like the last couple of albums they haven't really been fantastic man yeah it's this is the thing the last three albums Sounds of a Playground Fading Siren, uh, Siren Charms and Battles have a very different sound than I guess in Flames at the time really kind of set themselves for, you know? They kind of felt like they were building from it from the very early days where it was kind of very much at the gates, you know, all those tropes of that melodic death metal was known for. But they added their sound and their style and perfected it. When Reroute to Remain came out, a lot of fans are like, wow, this is definitely a bit slower, a bit more catchier. But then they would drop Come Clarity and uh, and and the one after that, which uh, a lot of fans were like, "Yeah, this is this is." There's a reason why these guys put, were put up above even Soilwork for a long time. But we're here to talk about battles, Danny, and uh, we cannot start this album without talking about the riffs, the guitar work on the album straight away. Now, you aren't really the biggest In Flames fan, but you are a metal fan. So, what did you find with these riffs? Uh, yeah, these riffs pretty much put this album into the category of not being metal. I mean, like, you really struggle to find... I mean, there's a couple of, like, hard rocking riffs, you could say, like, or heavy-ish riffs, but very, very hard to come by. I mean, the the, the drumming is very uninspiring. It's not, nothing... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about riffs first, man. We can tear this... We can tell uh, okay. the other four another, but, but let's talk about riffs. Yeah, so riffs, again, like, you're not really getting much. I mean, to be fair, they do s- some nice melody lines, so that's part which can save some of the choruses, but... Apart from heaviness, I think, I mean, you can really struggle. I had to really struggle to, to like label things like heavy metal, maybe tracks seven, three, eight, you know, they have some heavy segments in it, but not, not much. This is the thing. A lot of people were kind of thinking now where they were going to go. With Sounds of a Playground fighting, we really got the sense that In Flames were arguably not even metal at that point. A lot of fans were like, disenfranchised with the industry in the sense well, they're in their industry I'm talking about. Now, when Siren Charms came out, they did sort of grow on that a little, but I would argue not by a hell of a lot, you know, and this album battles the riffs are best out of the three albums because they go into, they touch on those riffs that made them popular in the first place, but they didn't stay there for very long. No, it's just, it's just not really much here with the riffs. I mean, they're just... Yeah, every now and then I put a solo in there to help with the feel, but apart from that, I, I really struggle to classify this. I'm really you can't classify this as a metal album. Yeah, I found it hard to just gravitate to a riff, and the way the songs are structured is the guitars would be like prominent at the start for the first 20 seconds and drop right off any momentum that was caused, apart from maybe track seven, for example. I found that the guitars were really put in the background, and in flames are the guitars, you know, and that's oh, it's just so sad. There's melodies now. They're there, but they're very sparse. Uh, the riffs are very much, um, very simplistic and almost to the point of just uh, filler almost. I don't know. It's just, um, it's really sad. I, I know the band's potential. And the guitarist is awesome. You know, he's got some great ideas. But um, 
something's something's amiss with these riffs, man. Yeah, and like I said, going to the drumming. So normally the drumming can help um, yeah. offset the riffs. So if the guitars are not that strong, maybe the drumming takes its place. But no, the, the drumming. This is like I don't know, rock beats. Yeah, the, the the classic open chords to give the the singer to more time to shine. Yeah, they're all there. You know, you get a very familiar pace with the album. But um, yeah, we're not we're not digging these riffs, man. So let's just move on to the vocals, mm-hmm. and um, we're going to talk about this bloke here, Anders Vriden. You're a singer, Danny. Um, where do you want to start with this, man? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, again, <laughs> we didn't like the riffs, and no, singing again is like, well, yeah, oh yeah, that's that's nice. You sing, do you? Oh yeah. <laughs> he has. He he falls. Right? He falls in between being pretty 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 capable and, and strong at times. To oh my god, that's share from the nineteen nineties going. The attitude is obvious to Stevie Wonder if he had the reverse problem with his eyes and ears, man. Yeah, maybe Helen Keller then. Helen Keller. Problem. All right, there we go. We're back to square one again. Um, I don't know, man. Like, here's the thing. Jesper Strombert, I think, came out last week when we were actually talking about the old Inflames guitarist, and he said that the singer was pretty much like trying to polish the turd. Um, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's parts... There's some parts where the singing comes off strong and it's done well, and some screaming, and some velocity is quite good, but there's other times, like, track six and stuff, it seems like he did a take in one hit, and it just sounds very, like, poor, you know? You just... It doesn't sound polished at all. I, I really think this Jasper got, uh, this thing is a self-taught singer because there's certain things when you hear how he, his diction and stuff. Like there's one 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 song I think track seven eight camera was that he sings the word space, but instead of emphasizing the A, because A is a nice pleasant sound to the ear, he emphasizes the P, and P sounds are just terrible. So he, he's just um yeah. So there's things like that where you tell he's probably self-taught and he tells a lot of the stuff he seems to struggle and. There might be a bit of auto-tune to help him out times. Yeah, it does sound like our friend auto-tune comes around. And in metal, it's like, for me, I don't love it in metal, to be honest. And in fact, I don't even know if I like it. Um, you know, if you sound flat on a record, then you're flat. It's no big deal, man, because the emotion put across, and I really got the sense that in Flames before the Mark III version, that they were just going for it, you know? And if it worked, it went. If it didn't stick, who cares? Because someone else is going to like it because they had so much conviction and, and so much attitude going to every recording. But, um, you know, we'll talk about that stuff later. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they try to get a bit of a mood across with the singing because a lot of the songs are very, like, slow and droning, trying to be somber, and the singing can reflect that time. So, to be fair, his tone does kind of reflect the songs. But one of the things which really gets annoying, especially, like, four songs in, is that every chorus has to have, like, a layered vocal mm. over the whole chorus. Like, we've heard the layered vocals for the chorus. Can you please change it? But no, every song is the exact same when it comes to the chorus. Let- oh, it's terrible. We're going to move it on to diversity because exactly what Daniel was saying about the way how we, they structure choruses is the way they structure songs in a sense. I really found that the formula is you start off with something either heavy or whatever, then the verse needs to drop right off and then it's like come back a little bit more. And there are very few examples against what I just said, but I really found that um, the attitude and the angst and the anger that went into previous albums, whether it be stuff from Horacle, for example, or stuff from from uh, Come Clarity. There was always a little bit of aggression to it, even though there was a sadness behind it as well. But this album sounds somber. If not, uh, wow, I I can't even think about like a more uh, more attitude to think about that, Danny. It's just very somber, if not lethargic, really. Yeah, it, I mean, diversity, right? It, it's the, the songs will have the same structure 
or feel they might you know change some lines or some riffs or put a solo in there every now and then or maybe a different like new metal sound in there to help break it up but the, the structures are pretty much the same thing i mean there's two bonus tracks in here and i'm glad those two bonus tracks are put on because they actually are a bit like faster more upbeat tempoed songs mm. they actually break up the album they're the last two i mean you see why they're the bonus tracks because they don't fit the rest of the other 12 melodic songs but they were needed yeah i find though off repeated listens to i do start to enjoy it more so but to a degree where it's like maybe because against the other albums that they were doing it it definitely is the best out of the three and it's best by a long way like i wouldn't even recommend uh, Siren Charms to anyone. It's just not a good f- for if you're a Malaysia fan, whatever. But this album here, it's a bit tough with diversity because you start to get a feeling for their writing of songs and um, w- what you fell in love with in Flames is gone and this ain't ever coming back. Like they have made it. They Even if they try to l- quote themselves with these new guitarists, um, it's just, it is paying homage to the band, but it's not. So it's like a cover band, really. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, we we could talk a bit more about the verse if you want to pick apart every song, but it's just no. The, the no. whole the, when you hear one song, you can't pretty much hear ninety percent of the other songs. Groove, Danny. Now, did it make you move at all? Did it, did did were there sections in it that were good, or do we have to just kind of like now take aim at the drummer? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can groove. I think there was maybe again little parts in the segment. Uh, track twelve, I guess, was the groovy song. The rest of the other songs, it's like. Because they do that trick where the pre-chorus is a bit different tempo feel to the chorus, it gives automatically gets you in that like bit of a groove feel. But they're just it's the same for every song, so you like after a while it gets a bit repetitive. Yeah, there was only there was one genuine drum beat which I found quite interesting towards the end of the track, where it was like a verse kind of thing, and it was really cool. But generally, I found the drumming on it to be quite um, uninspired. Just it didn't even feel like there was any urgency or any passion behind it. It was literally like this album is produced, and the drums were probably the biggest sin out of it. And I don't know if it's generally the drummer's fault or any of these guys' fault. You know, it could be the producer, it could be the production that they want now, you know, without a clear, strong head to decide, no, it needs to sound a little bit more like that, what made Inflames popular. But yeah, I didn't find that the drumming did anything to kind of push me forward either. It didn't do anything that was very interesting, maybe because of the songs, maybe not. But I didn't, I just didn't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, instead of like groove, sometimes you can replace groove with a feel or a mood, and sometimes that could be a replacement. Again, they try to do it, like the different vocal tones, the screaming, the, the chants, the choir noises, all that interplay. Yeah, that helps create the feel, but again, it's just uh, it's just the same feel over and over again with the um, you know, the pre-chorus and the chorus just helping to change, emphasize one to the other to help you give a, a feel. But it was same, same. Yeah, and that's finished off with production. And this is where mod metal is at the moment. And we've reviewed a lot of these kind of albums where it sounds more polished than you would get a bowling ball down your local AMFM. It's very much like everything's very clean and crisp to the point again where you can tell a lot of time was spent just getting it right. And uh, in Flames for me, we're never really a band about doing that. They're about having really good songs, having a really good time, and just getting some really catchy stuff out there in the mix. But... Uh, uh, again, the drums are way too boring to, to be pa- played passionately. The singing was done with Pro Tools. The guitars were obviously probably the, the, the more accessible part of it, but again, they're downplayed so much and not given a chance to really go for it. I don't know. I uh, I just feel so... And it all comes from a place that I am an old school in Flames fan, you know, anything right from the very beginning to, to a sense of purpose, and that's where it stops for me. So for me, all this is just me being angsty about just not being able to hear what might have been. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes it gets production-wise, you know, they they add in a bit of these new metal effects or 
different white noises to help add something to songs. But the guitar tone, actually, sometimes the guitar tone's quite nice. Like, yeah. the tone, uh, I can't remember one of the songs, actually, how it, it, it was it, we, that We Are, We Are song, I think that's track seven or so. The way it, no, it's, that's early. That's like three. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's that commercial track, yeah. Yeah, almost track, track four, I think. Anyway, yeah. that song there, when the chorus, how it comes out of the chorus, the guitar actually, the vocals bleed into the 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 guitar tone that's really clever because it makes it sound like they're bleeding together and it carries mm. through so I really think that was clever and they do have some, a bit of other times so production in that sense was good but I, I honestly think uh, the production I'm really that happy with the, the sound of the song I reckon it's like your mate's band wrote an album this is what it'll be like it's like yeah it's like it's decent effort but for a band like In Flames this is not something they should be happy about it's not an inflames album and that's where we end of the day it's where we're coming from whether you get enjoyment from this album i think is up to you to to decide that for yourself um i would strongly suggest against it though, as an inflames fan um is it a good metal album like daniel said before these could be regarded as not even being metal they they are very much like a hard rock feel kind of vibe to a punk attitude-esque i'd imagine Danny. yeah that's pretty much how it's classified uh, i mean you could say it's like a hardcore without the breakdowns because of the type of singing you could uh, as well so I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't I don't think people will be happy. This is just not a good album. No. Nah. It's just not a good album. And just- the saddest thing for me is sometimes these albums that I've heard for, especially Siren Charms, uh, they do they do worse for the albums before it. It tarnishes the reputation of them in flames. So uh, for me, just avoid this album. It's From my death metal fan or whatever, uh, if you are a rock fan, maybe into like U2 or whatever and you want to get up yeah. a step, yeah, there are some sections that really do sound like Kind of Coldplay esque. Yeah, I was thinking. I mean, these are like the Coldplay of like metal. I was thinking that when I was listening to this album. You know, it's not, it's not a really good thing, but yeah. it, it, that for itself could be our best review of it. If you'd love a transitional band, perhaps maybe I don't know. But if you're going to ask me to give you an influence to listen to, and I think any other Inflames fan could admit that there are so many albums and so many songs that uh, could put you in the right mood for the band. So. Unfortunately, guys, uh, that's another album that we cannot fairly give a recommendation for. No, it won't make our top 10 at the end of the year, people. Not even not even the top 15, and we've released 14 albums. I yeah, think. that's how bad I just refuse to put in there. Yeah, baby metal almost. But anyway, let's nah. Nah, let's talk. Let's finish this up anyway, Danny. Um, we're going to talk, obviously, next couple of weeks, we've got some massive albums to talk about. Dark Tranquility has come out. The wild card that is Noctum, a blackened death metal band that we haven't actually reviewed yet, apart from maybe, you could argue, uh, Flesh God, but I said it's more death metal Metallica maybe if you guys want to hear Metallica yeah, maybe. you know there are so many potential like Hammerfall um, but I guess from until then Danny that's our show for the week it is mess all good things come to an end and what a show we had man that was a lot of fun like we haven't torn into it a band unapologetically in a, in a long time to be honest nah nah they, they well you know, we say that we speak the truth here, man. Yeah, yeah. I know you guys respect uh, what we think about it. If not, we just entertain you enough for you to keep listening. And we respect you for it. Thank you for, like, joining us this week, guys. Uh, you could have done anything, but uh, you, you could be doing anything, but you are listening to us, and that uh, means the whole world. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. And I guess really enjoy your week and keep listening to that old metal music. Well, until next week, guys, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We have been the Super Metal Brothers. Please feel free to check us out on the old Facebook, SoundCloud, and whatever, and we'll talk to you soon.